God, and the Spirit of God comes, and uh, and then the Spirit of God comes and and joins that, and the Spirit of God comes and uh, begins to uh, work in our lives and to do something in us that um, allows the ground to begin to receive. Uh, the nutrients necessary because they've this worship sometimes to, uh, you know prepares the soil uh, for the planting of God's seed in our lives. Um, it releases the grip of the enemy, but we have to want it. <laughs> you know, even you know, growing up in a farming community, you know, I've seen people go out there and prepare the ground. And uh, that in and of itself is a lot of work. You know, it is, uh, it is weeks of work in getting the ground ready just to plant. But I've yet to see a farmer do all of that and not plant something. How many of us have gone through a time of preparing the soil in our life to receive the things of God and then thought, okay, boy, that was a lot of work. I'm done. <laughs> I'm good. Now, granted, it's a lot of work. It is a lot of work to prepare the ground, and it, and it can be very natural to think, man, to go through all that, I'm tired now. You know, why in the world do I want to do any more? Well, it's because if you stop now, you miss out on actually experiencing the things that can bring forth growth in life. You know, I am thankful for farmers that finish the job. And at home, I've got a couple packs of sweet corn um, that I'm ready to cook up. I am thankful for farmers that finished uh, that piece. You know, they didn't just prepare the ground and leave it. Um, uh, I had some fresh cucumbers this week. Uh, I love that. You know, there's certain things, certain uh, areas, vegetables that I just love. And every time I think, Lord, thank you that you allowed farmers to see beyond the work of preparing the soil. That they were willing to do what was necessary to plant a crop. And, and then that's not enough. Um, I grew up, my mom had uh, a small garden out, and, and it was a lot of work. You know what I hated doing during, uh, uh, when every year that she had a garden? Weeding. Goodness gracious. You'd think that you could pull those things one time and be done. But uh, they never quit. The weeds of life never quit. Man, we've gone away, and the ground was clean, everything looked beautiful, and we're gone for a couple days, and we come back, and it looks like we never did anything. Because that's what the weeds do. They don't need anything healthy. They just need something, uh, anything that they can grab hold of. That's why when you go out and weed, many times the weeds aren't deep. But man, they just take off, and they go like crazy. But we have to choose to prepare the ground, and then once we do that, we actually have to make sure we plan it and take care of it in order to bring forth a crop. And for those of you that experience God's presence here today, as God was doing something in your life, your responsibility from here is to then go and tend to it. If you came forward for prayer for an area in your life, 
your responsibility now is to begin to work on that area that was prayed for. That means you have to begin to claim, you need to get your Bible out and begin to read through all of the different scriptures that speak to that area of your life, which means you're going to have to work. Because how many knows that when you pick up the Bible you just and you open it up, it just doesn't fall to the thing that you're struggling with? Now, I praise God on those days that it does. You know that the Spirit of God is actually trying to do something. But sometimes you've got to go get into that thing called a concordance at the back of it. And you need to start finding, you know, if you're struggling with fear, you need to look up fear. And you need to begin to read through all the scriptures that God tells you to not be afraid. And you be, need to begin to declare them over your life. And if you're praying for your children, you need to begin to read through all the scriptures that speak to uh, God's blessing and the things that are available over your children. And you need to begin to declare them out loud over your children. Because when you speak the words, scripture says when God's word proceeds out of your mouth, that it will go out and accomplish that which it was intended to do. God's word is faithful to accomplish what it was declared to accomplish. And so I challenge you today, when you ask for something uh, in prayer, that you begin to research it and you begin to declare it over your life. Whatever it may be, that is your responsibility. It will not happen just by chance. It happens by effort. Just like toiling the ground takes effort, now you have to begin to plant the seed, water the seed, and weed the garden. Weeding the garden is taking every thought captive unto the obedience of Christ. Every thought. That means you don't just let... How many knows that just one day of choosing not to control your thoughts can destroy you? You know, one day. It takes one day of not controlling your thoughts that will destroy all the work that you were trying to accomplish because it'll lead you back down to a path that you never wanted to go again. Don't take a day off. You need to daily be pushing into the things of God. You know, this, this series, I, I have read through the Beatitudes, I don't know, a hundred times probably, um, Probably more than that. I mean, I, I got saved in uh, 1982. I know that's before some of you were born. Um, but uh, I accepted Christ in 1982. Um, and from that point on, I, I've read through the Scripture time and time again. I've read the Beatitudes um, multiple times. But I probably have gotten you know, more out of them this time I know I've gotten more out of them than all of you. Even if you're listening to everything that I say, uh, you're only getting a portion of what God actually gives me. Because, you know what, let's be honest, you're not going to sit here for 14 hours listening to me speak. I don't care how much you may love me. The reality is you're not going to sit that long. Um, but I tell you, when I've spent time, you know, I probably spend 15, 20 hours um, reading through this passage in a week, reading different things about it, um, just so that I have a picture of the things that God is saying to me. Um, it takes effort to go through and study the Word like that. And God's spoken to me, and I, I am forever changed because of the things that God's Word is doing inside of me. But it takes work and effort. 
So as I thought about today, today is, a, is one of those next pieces. I've titled this next one, Have Mercy. I, I don't have enough of a southern draw in me to, uh, to say that well, and so I'll, I'll save you for my uh, efforts of abusing that terminology. But uh, having mercy is one of those things that we each have to choose to do. It is, it is not natural for us to have mercy. Um, on Wednesday, I was um, uh, upstairs with, uh, my wife and I were upstairs with Hudson and Amalia. And, uh, and kids show this. They show the natural tendencies that are present. When Amalia wanted something, if Sawyer was, or Hudson was playing with it, she just went over and got it. And when, huh? <laughs> and when Hudson wanted something that Amalia wanted, he just went over and took it. Now, they didn't ask. They took. See, that's really the natural tendencies that are within us. Mercy is one of those acquired traits that really comes through um, a relationship with God. And so as I began to think about mercy and its application for us today, I really began to understand how, how much, how difficult it is. And, and really, when you look at the Beatitudes, I really believe that these, these different Beatitudes are um, built upon each other. Now, I've, I've addressed this, that God wants you to manifest all of these in your life. It's not pick or choose. The, the great thing is God doesn't expect you to have them all mastered today. How many of you have mastered the Beatitudes? I just want to see if we were in the presence of greatness yet. So, we are, we are not there. We are, you know, and that's why God starts with the poor in spirit because reality is, you know, we have to come to that deep sense of uh, awareness of our position before God. In order for God to ever do anything, to ever speak to us, we have to be fully aware of who we are before Him. And then we talk about mourning over our sins and the sins of our nation and that deep sense of repentance that comes where we, we truly, after confronting our own failures, begin to change. And then meekness is that positioning ourselves before God in this, this level of power and authority that allows us to walk out the things of God and hungering and thirsting where once we have those first three stages set, then we begin, we can truly hunger and thirst after good things. How many of you have ever hungered and thirst after bad things before? Um, I went through a two-week period of time where I chose not to eat any ice cream. I know it's hard to believe. Two weeks. I know. And I wanted ice cream so bad, and I'm in the church here, and I'm just literally two minutes from Dairy Shed. You know what? That's, that's a problem when you're hungering and thirsting for ice cream. And I don't ever believe in a small portion of ice cream. Listen, if I'm going to eat ice cream, I'm going to eat ice cream, you know. Uh, and I, I, have not, I have not purchased chips. Now, I was going to say I haven't had chips, but somebody in my family brought home some Mike Sells potato chips um, uh, like a week ago. And, and they were sitting on the kitchen table, <laughs> When I came home from work. 
It was a natural tendency. I went over and stuck my hand in there several times. And Tabby actually called me on it and said, Dad, it's like, I walked away from him. Walk away from, you know. But I tell you, it's just a natural. I, but I consciously made some decisions in my life. I'm not going to hunger and thirst after things like that. I, I want the things of God. But it takes effort. We have to choose to put in front of ourselves the things that are going to be good. And it just doesn't naturally come there. That led me really to today. Our next challenge is Matthew 5-7. Our next beatitude. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. The big question is, what is mercy? So I want you to help me. Give me some Give me some support here. What is mercy? Grace? Forgiveness? Not giving you what you deserve. That is a great definition of mercy. Some seeing things through Christ's eyes instead of your own. Yeah. Compassion. Those are great. What? Sorrow, okay. Yeah. I was, um, I was amazed as I began to study mercy this week at how much throughout the scriptures God speaks about mercy. Um, one Bible dictionary shared that mercy is a concept um, completely intertwined in the understanding of God's dealings with humankind. That you cannot fully understand God if you don't um, separate it from his mercy. It, it describes a quality of God and one that God requires of his people. The noun denotes compassion and love, not just feelings or emotions, but something expressed in a tangible way. See, it's not just enough to feel something. You have to express it in some compassion or some tangible way. The Hebrew term for mercy is linked to the word hesed, which is referring to God's covenant of uh, loving kindness and um, if, if I'm pronouncing that wrong, if you are a Hebrew scholar, forgive me. But mercy is such a broad topic, uh, denoting uh, this uh, ability to connect with people through their pain, through the things that are going on in their life. Um, one scholar that I was reading said that uh, People are lacking in the ability to fully show mercy separated from an awareness of God. Because it is an intrinsic quality of the nature of God. So I thought that was an interesting piece. Um, one of the questions that I ask myself is, uh, why should we be merciful? Why should we be merciful? So I'm going to ask you the same thing. Why should you be merciful? God wants us to be. God did it. He showed mercy. 
Those are good. Anybody else? Because we want mercy. <laughs> that is, you know what? Our verse is very clear that if we want mercy, um, that we better be merciful. You know, five, verse 5 7, as we've already illustrated, you know, tells us God blesses those who are merciful, for they shall receive mercy. So the corresponding side of that is that those who don't show mercy, God's not going to give it. So those are good. Those are all good lessons. How many of you, as either a child from hearing this from your parents or as a parent, have ever said to your children, because, when they came to you with a question? How many of you stopped there? Or maybe said, because I said so. And you really, as a child, you wanted more of an answer. Because I said so wasn't a good enough answer. It wasn't deep enough. It really fell short. Today I'm going to give you several becauses from God. I'm going to give you the God the Father's becauses on why we should be merciful. And some of them have already been mentioned here today, and so this will validate for you that you were right on track with the things of God. Number one is very simple. We should be merciful because God has shown you mercy. Ephesians 2, 4, and 5 says, God's mercy is so abundant and His love for us is so great that while we were spiritually dead in our disobedience, He brought us to life with Christ. It is by God's grace that you have been saved. So God showed us mercy. So we should be merciful. God wants you to pass on that which you have received from His Spirit. The things that you have received, it is easier to give. And the truth is that God gives us in, in such a way, in such a capacity that we have to give away. The things that I find that God pours into my life come at such a, a quantity that it is easy and natural for me to give without any fear that God won't give me more. It's actually set up to be where the more you give away, the more room there is for God to give in your life. And some, some of the problems that we deal with in life is we stagnate. Now, I'm sure all of you have been out in, in areas where you've seen a, a little pond where there is no water movement and there's scum across the pond and it's smelly and... It's just one of those areas like, you know, you'd never want to get into it. And it's because there's no movement in the water. There's no outlet. Those, those ponds that have a natural outlet and a natural inlet that keeps it filled, there's, it looks fresh. See, that's what we are meant to be. I believe when all you do is take in God's Word and never give it out, you stagnate and you become stinky to where people don't want to be around you. Now, how many of you want to be stinky? I didn't think anyone would raise their hand today. 
God wants you to give. He, he wants you to be a giver of mercy because he is merciful. Number two, because God commands you to be merciful. So it's not just because he's shown you mercy. God commands you to be merciful. Micah 6.8 The Lord has told you what is good. This is what the Lord requires. Requires from you to do what is right. To love mercy and to live humbly with your God. God requires it. It's a command. I tell you what, I know as a parent many times as our children come to us and they say, you know, why do I have to do that? And we say, because I told you so. It's a command. I don't need to give you a reason to clean your room. I don't need to give you a reason why you need to take a shower. The reason will become self-evident when you step in there and all the grime and gook washes off of you. It will become self-evident when your room quits stinking. God commands us. He requires for you to do what is right to love mercy. Not just to show it, but to love it. God wants you to love being merciful. Now, this will not be a surprise to you. Mercy is one of the qualities of my life. I, my children can tell you, I struggle not giving mercy. I struggle with punishment. I struggle spanking my, I have never been a good person to spank my children. Not that they haven't ever needed it. (laughs) Trust me. They've, They've had their moments in life. But I don't do well with it. I want to be merciful. That is, I have a natural tendency to lean to mercy. And throughout my life, if someone has offended me, my natural tendency is to lean to mercy. I don't want to respond to that in a way that is harsh. Um, I lean into mercy. It is part of the nature that is deposited there from God. I need other people in my life to step in at times and say, all right, pastor, you need to not be merciful in this situation. God needs you to help bring some different direction. I am thankful that my wife, and I'm not saying she's not merciful, but she also understood the need to bring a steering of our children at different times to stop them from acting in a certain way, to bring about a, a behavior that we wanted to see. And so um, she, was, she was really the, the, the one that helped in so many of those things because my natural leaning was towards mercy. Is there anybody else there? You lean towards mercy? When Tia and Michael are disciplining the buddies today, or these days, it's like everything inside of my body is wanting to run over and grab hold of them and hug them and say, oh, it's going to be all right. And I have to just be quiet. And sometimes I have to leave the room because it is, it is outside of my nature to do those things. I, I, since coming to Christ, I, I mean, I grew up in, a, in such a volatile home life where there was no mercy for anything that when I came to Christ, I really, I, I defaulted to a position that says that you're merciful always because people need, I need lots of it. And I knew at that time in my life, I needed an abundance of mercy. So I just wanted to give a lot of it away because, you know, you're trying to build up a, a deposit of mercy. 
Have you ever felt like, God, I'm going to need this later on, so I'm going to show this today? <laughs> and you're, you're trying to set yourself up because you know you're going to blow it one of these days here soon, and so you're trying to get this, this uh, deposit, this res- reservoir of mercy ready. Number three, because you're going to need more mercy in the future. That's where I live. I, I, I live so much of my life because I, I just always knew I was going to need it. I, I'm, even though I came to Christ at 16, there was so much damage done to my, my mental disposition from the words that had been spoken in my life and over my life that I'm constantly from that point forward coming to this place of taking every thought captive and trying to bring transformation to my uh, thought life, my, the things that are going on. Anger is still part of me. You don't just get rid of it because you don't want it to be present anymore. So I'm, I'm always working on it. I'm always confronting those things. And I need God's mercy more today than ever. James 2.13 says, You must show mercy to others, or God will not show mercy to you when He judges you. But the person who shows mercy can stand without fear at the judgment. See, God's Word continues to lean into this, this way of living that has us to be merciful to others because we need it. It might be hard for you to believe, but God did not call you to be the judge, jury, and executioner. Now, you would be better off if I was it than some people I know. Because some of you wouldn't be here. I mean, let's just be honest. Have you thought of someone that you told God, it's okay, God, you can take this person out. They need it now. Oh, now, come on now. Some of you I know have thought that before. (laughs) And we're thankful that God does not put us in that position to be the judge, jury, and executioner. That we're simply called to be, you know, individuals that show the mercy. Let God judge him. Because showing mercy brings or leads to happiness. Showing mercy brings or leads to happiness. God blesses those who are merciful. The blessing, the blessed carries with it an understanding of joy and happiness, a way of living that demonstrates a quality of life that is only possible because you are exemplifying, you are modeling this this thought process, this way of living before the people. You will be genuinely happier as a, mer- as a merciful person. Now, I can speak to this, and I am not in pointing out any one individual in here. If it's you, hey, I'm closing my eyes, not even looking at you right now. I live a happier life because I have mercy towards people. <laughs> My wife can tell you someone can offend me yesterday and today I can hang out with them and we can look like best friends. Because <laughs> that's about as far as my memory goes on those things. I, I just, I don't let it linger. 
because they're not my God. I realize I'm going to offend people. I realize I'm going to hurt people. Um, I don't lean to that. I don't try to do that, but I realize it's going to happen. But I also recognize that person isn't the one I stand before on the day of judgment. And so I don't allow them to have that level of authority in my life. They can be unhappy with me. My wife found out a long time ago that it was better for her to go to God if she was ever unhappy about me than to go to me. Because God has more power to change me than she does. How many of you have ever tried to change someone? How, how well did that go for you? <laughs> Thank you, Miss Linda, for your transparency. It will, <laughs> it will backfire. It will, it will go down a path that you never intended to go. So God gives us these, these four areas that are the because statements. Now this next section of time, I'm going to just close out with several things that as I read through different passages on mercy, I thought they really stood out to me. And, and one of them is going to be a little challenging for you all. It is for me. So to be merciful is to show forgiveness and compassion to those in need. We've already commented on that. Matthew 6, 12, Lord's Prayer, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. So to be merciful is to show forgiveness and compassion. If you are not someone who is showing forgiveness, who is showing compassion, you're falling short in doing those things that God has called you to do. Matthew 9.13 says, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. God desires mercy. We are blessed if we are merciful because mercy is something God himself displays. Um, how many of you have ever seen a child model or mimic or say something that you say or said, even if it was not a good thing. See, children really are great examples to show off all of the things that go on inside of our life that we don't want anybody to know about. Now, one thing that I learned as a youth pastor uh, and I'm sure children, and I actually, <laughs> I've learned this. I was never a children's pastor, but I've pastored children, you know. Um, children and youth will tell me everything that is going on at home, period. Whether I wanted to know it or not. <laughs> they, they will reveal all of the fights, everything that mom or dad said. <laughs> it is amazing how they simply just model those things before us. Um, I am not someone who cusses. I don't, I don't say those words. When I got uh, saved at 16, God miraculously delivered me from that piece of my life. Um, so I don't, I don't say those things. But I know individuals that still may throw out a curse word or two. Um, and I was with a parent one time, and 
their child was playing and became frustrated, and out of their mouth came a saying. And this parent turned their head, and they were, they were almost dumbfounded in this, I am so sorry. I don't know where they learned that. I'm thinking, well, I do. I listen to you. You know, I mean, it's like, the, I remember not long after going to Sturgis, we had a, a, a biker that had gotten saved, and he was, a, he was a real biker. He wasn't one of these partial bikers or, you know, professional bikers, you know. Um, and he stepped up in church, and he was testifying of what God was doing, and every other word was he was cussing. And I'm standing up there in front of everybody, and I'm thinking, oh, Lord, please end this soon. And... But I know it was not that he was wanting to offend. That was, that was his language still. His language had not been saved yet. <laughs> and, and literally inside of me, I'm thinking, Oh, Lord, I am so glad that you are hearing the heart and not the words. Now, I get fixated on words because... Um, Words for me communicate, you know, because I, again, it was that dra- drastic transformation process at 16 where God radically saved me in the midst of an ugly situation that there were certain things that I intentionally avoided and language was one of them. But God says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. God wants us to be merciful to people. Not be ones that just point out every mistake they make. Jesus himself showed mercy. Mark 5.19, he says, Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. When When God had freed the man from the demons, he just wanted the man to go home and talk about God's mercy on his life. We have received God's mercy. We should be the ones who have the greatest amount of mercy to share with others. Romans 11.30 says, You were at one time disobedient to God, have now received mercy. Paul talks about it in 2 Corinthians 4.1 that he believed the ministry that he was given was a direct result of how God had shown him mercy. 1 Timothy 1.13, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. That was me for many times. God showed me mercy when I acted in ignorance and unbelief. Titus 3.5 talks about our salvation. He saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. We are in great need of God's mercy every day. Peter expressed it in 1 Peter 1.3. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. All of these different passages, and as I was filtering through them over this last week, I began to understand how dependent I am on mercy every single day of my life. And as God's children, we should reflect the mercy they have received. If you have been an individual who God has blessed with great amounts of mercy in your life, there should be an equal amount of mercy shown. 
Now, my last passage is going to hurt. I'm letting you know. It's letting you know before I, before I pull out the splinter, before I ripped off the bandage, it's going to hurt. Matthew 23, 23 and 25. 23 and 24. This is what I'm going to close with today because I think it communicates such a, a, a very powerful message for us. It says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. Now, anytime the scripture opens with woe, we better pay attention. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law. Now, he's mentioning these because they're such small areas. You know, mint, flower, or mint crops are small and dill and cumin. They're not a big plant. And he's, he's saying, listen, you, you are so wanting to make sure that you give everything. You're tithing even on the smallest portions of your crops, on the, on the things that are so uh, minuscule that no one else will notice. You are making sure you focus on those things. But you have neglected the weightier matters of the law justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. You blind guides straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel. Now, As I read through that this week and began to pray about it, I, I started to understand that one of the traps of the enemy is to get God's children so caught up in focusing on the things that have no real value. God loves it when we get into a comparison game. God loves it when we begin to judge other people for the things that they do or don't do. And it sets us up for a trap. Because if you are fixated on someone else for something they are doing or not doing, what happens is the enemy begins to puff you up, build you up, and you begin to attack an individual, which the Pharisees were good at. The, the Sadducees and the Pharisees, they were good at attacking people. The scribes and Pharisees, they were, they were so fixated on the things that really... Um, had very little value in the kingdom of God. Now, I, I think it's important that we notice that, you know, they weren't released from the responsibility of the giving on those smaller areas, but he said you ought to have done without neglecting the others. So we, we need to see the integration of all pieces of our life together that yes, it is important that we pay attention to all the little details of our own life, but that we also be individuals that are given to justice and mercy and faithfulness. The Pharisees were mad at Jesus because he was hanging out with sinners. They were mad at him because he didn't work according to their schedule. He was working on a Sunday. That was a problem for them. He didn't like it. They didn't like it. They were mad at him because he didn't minister the way that he wanted that they he the way that they wanted him to minister. Church, 
Anytime we try to fit somebody else into our box and make them be like us, we have violated the very constructs of God that made each one of us individual and unique. I had to learn that years ago in my life, that people are not going to see the things in life the way I do. My upbringing, my exposure to my life growing up and the things that God did to to bring me to a relationship with him are going to be completely different than each one of you. And I cannot judge you based upon the things that God has said for me to do. Now, I can lead you in the things of God. I can lead you down the paths of God's Word that bring about a relationship with Him. Those things I can tell you. I can tell you to read the Word, to be merciful, to be gracious. I can tell you how to do the things of God. But I need to make sure that I stop there and not tell you that this is how you have to live because this is what I want you to do. I remember years ago as, as my wife and I talked with our children about their faith. And we told them that your faith has to be your faith. That when you stand before God, they're going, not going to say, well, your parents were, you know, Ralph and Nancy, you guys, get in, you, you got a free pass. It doesn't work that way. There are no free passes. They, they will stand and give account for everything that they have done, every word that they have spoken. And that's the same thing about each one of us in this room. No one else is going to stand before God and give account for our actions, our words. I don't care if you had the worst possible parents leading you through most of your life. When you stand before God on the day of judgment, none of that will matter. What will matter is what you did with the truth when it was presented to you. God's going to hold you accountable. And you have to take responsibility for your actions, your words, your thoughts. And you need to understand that God is not going to allow you to control someone else. Anytime you have a desire to control someone else, let me just tell you that the enemy is leading you astray. Because God's not called you to control anyone. Have you neglected the weightier matters of justice and mercy and faithfulness? Mercy is giving to people what they don't deserve. Even if someone makes a mistake in your life. Even if someone makes a mistake. I remember during uh, uh, the one of the preschool programs and we had our jeep parked up here and the parking lot was full and he was part you know the jeep was parked in the yard and and a guy backed into it and it didn't do a lot of damage to it it just but the the gentleman was very uh, apologetic wanted to take care of it and it's like listen it's okay it's it's okay and i just felt like god saying listen show mercy this person did not need this to be upon them right then. We never heard another word about it, and it was good. I've seen people, uh, if someone makes a mistake in front of them, they lay them out. They want to they rip them up. What value is that to life? 
we're going to make mistakes. Is that how you want to be treated every mistake you make? Every thought that goes outside of God's plan, do you want God to rip you a new one? Church, we need to be individuals that lean into the mercy more than we do the judgment. Because we need mercy. God wants us to be merciful. He doesn't want us to be blind to those things, straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel. How gross is that? You know, I've swallowed a few gnats in my day running, you know, doing something, and it's disgusting. I can't imagine the weightier things of a camel going in your mouth, you know. God's wanting to protect us. So I'm just going to tell you very clearly up front, God wants you to be merciful. God wants you to show mercy. God wants you to be an individual who has compassion uh, towards one another that is not captivated by the mistakes of other people, that is not fixated on everybody doing it your way. That's what makes us a great family. I am so thankful for my household and the people that God has brought together as a family. I love, I love every aspect about my family life. Tabby makes the most amazing chocolate chip cookies and desserts. I love that. Matthew is, is one of the greatest affirmers in conversation. He just loves, he, lo- he just makes people feel valuable because he'll just sit and talk with them. Um, there are people he can be with on the, for hours on the phone, just, you know, and they're really talking. Um, but he is gracious towards that. I, I love that about him. And, he, and he's willing to get in there and get dirty and, and help people. I love that about him. Tori is my, she's that big cuddly bear. You know, she just will talk to people. She has no, she probably leans towards mercy like me. She will, she, her heart goes out to every person who has ever offended. She wants to be there for them. Um, and, and Tia is, you know, she is that organization. She's just got this creative mindset and she's got so many things that are going on. She probably takes in some things about really, I, I never just am good. My wife is this way too. We're never just stuck in one area. Your, your brain's always working. Oh, we could do this and we can do that. And she, but she's got the creative bent to where she can put all these things together and it looks great. Now, I love that about my, my family. Now, do they have quirks? Do they have things that I don't like? Absolutely. I don't fixate on those. Why in the world would I want to fixate on all the mistakes? You know that what that will make you? <laughs> A miserable family. But if you, if you fixate on all the things that are good, life is good. That's where I'd like to challenge you to live. Not saying that people around you don't make mistakes. They do. Don't let that be the focus of your life. (laughs) God didn't call you to be the pointer out of all mistakes in life. That's not a title. Uh, You don't find that in the Scripture anywhere. Um, Be that one. (laughs) Be that one who simply leans into being gracious and merciful. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your mercy because we recognize our need for it in ever-increasing measures. And so today we release your mercy into our lives and we thank you for it. We pray that you would help us to have uh, hearts that lean towards mercy.
that is able to show mercy to those that you've called us to show mercy to, to be gracious towards those who we need to be gracious to. And uh, I just pray that in the midst of all of these things that your blessing would be present in our lives. Um, We thank you for all that you're doing, not only in us, but through us. And as your uh, beatitudes are manifested in our lives, we realize and recognize that it will bring about uh, a level of transformation into your image that we desire. And we ask for this in your name. Amen. This time we're going to wait upon you for morning tithes and offering. As they're coming and as you're preparing, I want to remind you today at 5 o'clock at the Miracle House, we're going to have a time of uh, fellowship. There's going to be hot dogs with all the fixings. Plus, we want you guys to bring lots of desserts and side dishes. And a chair to sit on. It's an outside event. Bring what you need to be comfortable. Bring some games to play. There's going to be a couple cornhole tournaments I've heard already. So there's going to be a good time. It's going to be great fellowship. You're all invited. Bring your families um, and uh, come ready to have some fun. Let's pray. Father, thank you. We pray your blessing on this offering, that it would be multiplied for the needs of your kingdom. And we thank you for the faithfulness of your provision in our lives. We ask for this in your name. Amen. Also want to let you know, Isaac, uh, men's group, Tuesday night, 7 o'clock, chapters 9 through 12. 9 through 12. So. Okay. <laughs> September 6th, all right. And if you're not part of it and you want to come for the fellowship, you're more than welcome to come out and bring some food. We always have a lot of food and we play cards and other things like that. So God bless you. Love on one another.